just, I have to, I missed the thing. Come on, just, just Press. do what I want you to do. Press don't, the button. don't, there we go. I'm not a co-host. Responsibilities. What's that? You. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> now that we know it's recorded, we just instantly clam up. Yeah. Uh, I was worried that I would be really groggy this morning because I haven't been sleeping well. But um, very, very favorably, I woke up and my brain was like, yeah, probably because I'm actually excited about this guest. See, and then I said that like I wasn't excited for any of the other guests. Yeah, all that all that fake drummed up excitement for the last Exactly. Guest. This is the genuine excitement folks uh oh the other thing i was thinking about that i'm like you know what we didn't do on our um last episode is mention that we're not qualified for anything <laughs> well i feel like people know I, that i really but maybe we should have extra disclaimer especially if somebody sees like a nano podcast and they listen to it i really feel like we should know up front that like neither of us are published yeah and have no formal education on the matter. Because um, I just like honesty. And I don't think that you need formal education to be a writer. Even if you're like me and apparently don't like honesty. So Yeah, she hates it. Just don't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not saying we don't know what we're doing. But I'm just saying that we have no formal. I'm not certified. I, I don't have a certificate. Yeah. Uh, I, I would agree with that on all things you just said, except I don't know what I'm doing. So <laughs> there's that. Just setting expectations. Okay. As long as we're clear, it is what it is. Welcome to the Act Break Podcast, where we're talking about all things story. From books to movies, shows, and probably other stuff too, we're chatting it out and trying to remember what it's like to actually have conversations with other human beings. Take a break from your creative endeavors and hang out with us. Have a little simulated human interaction. Because internet friends totally count. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Jamie, and I am writing a novella for the first time ever. Uh, you mean I don't have to write 90,000 words? <laughs> I'm so excited. And I'm Carly, and I was going to say something else, but I just took a sip of my coffee, and I realized I made it way too strong, and I can't think of anything else. Yeah, I think like more than 50% of your openings are coffee or tea related. Listen, <laughs> it's really important. My beverages matter to me, okay? Do you need to go ahead and put something in your coffee before we press on? Or... What would I put in my coffee? Well, you could put all sorts of things. You could put almond milk. Why would I you put, could put milk in my coffee? Carly. <laughs> well, then I don't want to hear you bitching about your coffee. <laughs> fair, fair. You could put... Um, you don't like coconut, but some people put like a little bit of coconut oil in their coffee. There's just like a million different things you can put in your coffee. I know, but I don't like it, stuff in my coffee. I like it black and I like it to be perfect and it's not perfect and I'm mad. All right, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to head out. Do you need to go make new coffee? I don't have time for that. We have a guest coming. She's really important and I can't make her wait even if my coffee's not great. You're right. I do talk about coffee and tea and, and my beverages. Coffee and tea, the jiva in me, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Do you know that old song? Yes, it's like old I do, song. actually. Yeah. We sing it a lot. Listen, it's so funny because it's like, we're old, but we're not that we're really old. really not that old. But we have such old souls that yeah. we know things that we shouldn't know at our age. Um. What was your other intro? Give us like a, a fun fact about yourself, Carly. Tell us something related to writing of any sort. Your face looks like you just like smelt a crap. Is what your face is <laughs> I frowned so hard. My cheek twitched. Pulling a muscle over there. Uh, why, why did it have to be a fact about, okay, about writing something? Um... I'm Carly, and I'm 
working on a manuscript that's shorter than anything else also that I've ever written before. It's not a novella. No, you started that. It sounded like we were at some sort of anonymous meeting. (laughs) My name is Jamie and I'm a writer. Uh, I've been a writer for six years and I'm just, I can't stop. See, I have the opposite problem though. I can't start. You're the opposite of Oz on the wagon. This is a safe space here, though. We can share whatever it is we need to share about that. Yeah, yeah, you can come here. Um, yeah, I am writing something shorter than I have written to date. I don't know if I can admit the word count. You mean like as a project? Because you've done you've done short short stories. yeah short fiction. I mean like novels. Like, this is the shortest novel I've ever written, and I don't know if I can admit the word count after I've said it's the shortest thing I've ever done. It's it's 80,000 words, and it, okay. that's it's really, really bare. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's pretty short. That's pretty short as far as the modern yeah, novel. Yeah, that's true. We are going to be joined today by a wonderful guest, uh, and let's go ahead and let her in, and then we'll talk about uh, our topic for the day. Our guest today is Greta Valentine. She is one of the internet writing friends. She's so sincere, thoughtful, motivated, and she was recently published in Five on the Fifth for her fantasy short story, The Raven Wife, and it is fantastic. Y'all should go read it. Hi, Greta. Welcome. Yay. Thank you for being here today. So happy to have you. This is exciting. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm glad to be here. I feel like we chat so much online, but we've not had very much like face-to-face situation. Yeah, not not real-time video. Yes. Video chatting. It's very nice. I think that's been one of my favorite things about the podcast is just gives me a good excuse to actually talk to people. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I know, like an AP got on. I was like, I've literally never met you or spoken to you yep. in real time. So. Here, let me ask you a whole bunch nope. of questions. Same, same with you, Greta. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, yeah, this should be great. It'll be a real good time. Thank you for joining us. And today we are going to be talking about basically just the topic of writing for enjoyment, writing for self-fulfillment sort of thing, um, because... During nano, there can be a lot of like external pressures for, you know, why we write. And we just want to like step back and remember all the good, all the good and encourage, you know, other people out there to remember the same. And we feel like you're really good at that. So that's that's why we've got you for this topic. Awesome. I'll try not to say anything too, uh, too profound or too dumb about it. <laughs> Just right, right, right in the middle. That's what we do. You will slot right into this. Perfect. That is our exact goal. In the middle of the road Uh, here. uh, But to start, we do want to learn a little bit more about you. So, Greta, would you mind telling us about the different types of fiction that you tend to write and gravitate towards in your own work? Yeah. Um, So I write a couple different kinds of speculative fiction. Um, I'm working on a fantasy novel, kind of a folklore fantasy inspired novel. Um, But I have written short stories and kind of some different, dabbled in some different um, areas of speculative fiction, um, sci-fi, magic realism, and fantasy. So those are the kinds of things that I'm drawn to. Nice. That's our bread and butter. No wonder we get along. And we were just wondering if you could kind of share what your writing journey has been like up till this point, like how long and, you know, things. Tell us. Tell us all the things, Greta. Yeah. So... I have written like ever since I was a little kid, like I wanted to be a children's book author. Like when I was a little kid, Um, I wrote like all these crazy stories about like my cousins and my brother and I just like doing random things. Um, But I really got away from it during school and during college primarily. Like I was just focused on other things. And I kind of came back to it starting in the, the fall of 2016. Um, my town has like a an art center where there are classes in writing and so I just started taking like whatever writing classes they had that was a point where I was just kind of realizing that I had had it right as a kid and I was like this is really like a fulfilling activity for me like I really enjoy this so I took some short story classes flash fiction class 
Um, and I just started like connecting with other people who enjoyed writing. And I think it was maybe fall of 2017 that I just started getting like flashes of this novel idea. That was around the point that one of my uh, short story teachers at the Arts Center had kind of encouraged me to explore long form fiction because the short stories that I was turning in had kind of a lot of plot, <laughs> more plot maybe <laughs> than she was expecting for a short story. So um, I did NaNo in fall of 2017, and that was the first time, A, that I had really jumped into like genre writing, writing a fantasy story. And I was kind of like, yeah, this is the stuff I like to read. Like, why haven't I been writing this? And so just writing that story kind of combined with connecting with other writers in my area and like completing a draft of my story. I was like, okay, yes, I can do this. Like, this is what I want to be doing. And kind of from that point on, um, I've just made writing like a more intentional part of my life because I know that it's something that I just enjoy and that I'm going to do like no matter what my actual career and my job is. And I just started making intentional time uh, to start doing that. So I've been working on that novel since that time. And I've written a couple of different short stories since then, started sharing my work a little bit more. That's been more of a recent development. Um, but I actually had my first short story published this month. Yes, you did. So that's Yay. kind of, yeah. Yes, it's very good. It was so good. I loved and it. And we will find um, a place to put a link to that story. It is in Five on the Fifth Literary Five Magazine. Five on the Fifth. That's so awesome, Greta. Um, and I think that that's a, a great jumping off point, too, because like you said, you just make it more of a priority and you know it's going to be part of your life no matter what other things you're going to be doing because so many writers are not only writers right and being able to write full-time is like the sort of blessing privilege that not many people get yeah. so it's yeah. like most people are writing after they get off work yep. or getting up early to write before work which takes a lot of dedication yes <laughs> a lot of intention a lot of dedication and it's also interesting that i feel like everybody we happen to be in contact with decided to start being serious about writing at the same time in 2016. I have kind of noticed that too. I'm like, what was in the water in like 2016, right? 2017? We all drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> so that makes me think of one of the first things that we wanted to talk about and, um, you know, what kind of projects bring us the most joy? Like what keeps us coming back? No, I think for me, so one thing that I did before I started writing fiction more formally was I journaled a lot just as a way to kind of like uh, see what's going on in my head, like kind of um, get grounded, kind of answer or investigate questions in my life. And that actually ended up being a segue into writing fiction because I think that most of my stories kind of focus on a character that is like pursuing a question or like kind of finding their way into the unknown. And that is a really interesting analog to speculative fiction for me because there's so much mystery and magic and like just uncertainty and weirdness. And so kind of selfishly, like a lot of my stories are inspired by like a question that I have. So I'm trying not to make them like uh, like my journal or like too autobiographical, right? But I think unless there is some kind of like hook or interest or like personal question in it, like I'm not, it's not gonna hold my interest long-term. So at least like my long form fiction um, often has a character kind of like pursuing a central question. Whereas like my short fiction can be things that are just like weird, like questions like what if this happened or like what if a world like this existed? Yeah. Um, so those are definitely like some of the things like uh, place as character is like something that's really big for me. So just like writing atmospheric prose, like getting to design these like really crazy worlds. Like those are the things that I really love to do. Yeah, I feel that. That's that's so, I relate to that a lot. I, I do that as well. I like to ask questions from journaling. That usually brings up stuff for me that I'm like, I wanna figure out what this is and what this means to me and trying not to make it too autobiographical yeah. but it holds my interest because I'm exploring it in this really amazing or at least I think world that I've created and uh, getting to play around with these different situations I think it gives us the ability to speculate about these questions in a really fun environment and I think that that's that's a lot of readers enjoy that that's what I enjoy reading in, in fiction. So yeah, 
I liked how you were saying, Greta, that you really like your short fiction because you can do like weirder stuff. Because that's what I tend to like really enjoy when I'm writing and when I'm reading is the more high concept or the more weird and strange or out there it is, the more likely I am to either pick it up to read it or put it down on paper. I just want it to be strange. The, the stranger and more high concept it is, the more excited I get about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's hard because the market's not huge for that. <laughs> yeah. But it, if it makes you the most excited, that's what's really important. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like there's a lot of readers that agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand that those kinds of things can be harder to market, but I definitely think that there are people that resonate with those high concept ideas because there's something you can kind of chew on and like think about for a while. I, yeah. I want to I want to have something that makes me like look at something again and I'm like, oh, that's. I yeah. never thought of it like that before. That's that's weird, but it it engages my interest so much more because it's so different. And I'm not meaning to disparage a uh, romance, but it's like when you pick up a romance, there are certain things that that reader expects from that romance, right. and you're gonna deliver those things. But with like high concept things, where you're on like an adventure, or something about the world is fundamentally different. Like I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. I don't know where it's going to go. I want to be surprised. Yeah. I've, it's so exciting. And I'll keep reading just to find out what the heck is going to happen. And that's, I, just, I love that. I love that. I, I love that you brought up the surprise thing because I, I, same, I love to be surprised. I love to not be able to predict the way that a story is going to go. I mean, I've been plenty satisfied by stories that I've been able to predict the ending because of the way that they delivered it. So don't get me wrong, but I I love being able to be in this place of like, I have no idea what's going to happen. And that's exciting. So another point we're going to bring up for writing for enjoyment is Writing anonymously, I consider that just like uh, there's a certain amount of freedom when I write something that I have absolutely no intention of anybody else reading because then I'm like, well, it doesn't matter how crap it is. <laughs> it doesn't matter my grammar or my spelling or my concept or my characters. Like it just it could just be whatever I want it to be because I'm the only one who has to look at it or just the fact that you could share something but not say it's from you and people do this like in short fiction or in fan fiction that to me can be very like therapeutic yeah, yeah I agree that's what I end up doing in my journaling mostly um, I have written little like snippets of conversations that I guess would be considered fan fiction because it's like what if this character from this story met this character from that story and what kind of conversation would they have and I've done that a little bit to kind of help myself or brought my own characters and had them talk with a fictional character that I love in order to suss out like my character's voice but I've never written like a piece of fan fiction I want to I just haven't yet but I definitely in my journaling, I find myself free. It does this thing with my brain where it just helps me drop my guard because you're with the expectation thing. I, I get that no matter when I'm writing, <laughs> nano or any other time of the year. So I have tried in the past and then I always forget that it helps me to journal before I start writing fiction. You're not worried about anybody reading it. You just let it be what it is. The concept of having your own characters talk to like a different fictional character to get a feel for them is brilliant. It's really fun. <laughs> actually, it's really fun. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I actually heard someone else mention that recently. And it's interesting to hear you say that too. Like I should give that a try. It sounds like it uh, a good exercise for kind of developing voice yeah I I tend to do it when I feel like my character feels too flat or if they feel too much like another character I'm like okay I don't feel like I understand how this character's voice would work yet and then I put them next to somebody that I know so well something somebody I've read over and over and over again <clears throat> Dumbledore or something like that where to suss out like what they actually feel and it, it yeah, it's lots of fun 
And that's an interesting point because I have written fan fiction and it's interesting because like a lot of the, like the characters exist and you know, the characters, like the world exists and it's kind of there for the using instead of like creating it yourself. And so you get to put more energy into kind of developing an arc or kind of like playing with a, a world that exists already. And I agree with you, like putting that out, like it's attributed to like a username or whatever, but no one knows it's you. And so there's like a lot more freedom with kind of getting it out there. And you get like, if you're, if you're publishing like chapters as you go or whatever, you're kind of getting feedback as you go or like affirmation, um, which can be really nice. Like <laughs> if you're just in the long slog of writing a novel that like no one's going to read for a really long time. So it's just like kind of a low pressure, like really high enjoyment way to, yeah, write something that's like pretty low stakes, yeah. but also like get some validation as you go. I love that you you brought that up because I wanted to ask both of you, since you both have written fan fiction, if it is validating to share something like that or is it nerve wracking? Because I feel like I would be so nervous to share it. I guess what has been your experience with that? Well, I wanted to quick jump on top of something that Greta was saying is that the great thing about fan fiction is it can be really easy to write somebody's voice because you spend so long with a character that you just know how they'll react and like you didn't have to make that yourself that was somebody else's but you now know that character so well that it becomes in a way easier which makes the writing more enjoyable because it you don't have to like figure it out well because I think it when you're writing something that's all your own creation you're having to figure out so many different facets all at once you have to figure out the world and the voice and the character and the plot and the motivation and like all of this all at once so that makes so much sense Uh, and to your question I would say it's still a little bit nerve-wracking you know anytime you're putting your work out even if your name's not attached to it you still want people to like it you still want people to enjoy it. You don't want people to like show up and send comments like, eh. <laughs> in my experience, I've never had that anyway, but it's not like I have that many people reading my work because there are millions and millions and millions right, of pieces of right. fiction. Right, so the pressure so. I feel like in that regard might be a little lower because there's just a lot out there. Yeah. Yeah, and I know we're going to talk about like internal and external pressure. I would say for me, like putting the fan fiction out there is like almost equally uh nerve-wracking and validating because you're working with uh depending on like the franchise or the fandom that you're writing in like you have a lot of readers with expectations about like how those characters should behave or like what kind of story they're expecting yeah that's true so it's kind of like an expectations thing and yeah like I'm just kind of more of a perfectionist so like probably spent more time like editing and polishing that work like before I put it out there than I would have necessarily needed to but I mean, that's part of the enjoyment for me, too, is like playing with the pros and like putting something out that I am happy with. Um, So, yeah, it was kind of a a mixed bag for me. I will say this for anybody who ever decides to get into fan fiction is your experience will heavily depend on what fandom you are a part of. 100% spot on is fans have an expectation for a certain thing. And that's why the tagging system is so intense. People think things should be a certain way and some fandoms are much more positive than other fandoms so that will all depend each individual fandom has their own set of idiosyncrasies right yeah that makes so much sense speaking of being present which we weren't master of segues Uh, embracing where you are and celebrating milestones we lumped this like talking point together and there's a couple of different parts as being present and the like celebrating milestones are two separate things yeah that's true being present is much more difficult yeah than the celebrating part yeah i have to like compartmentalize other stories and other parts of my life so that i can really focus on the story that i'm working on to be present in that story, to drop myself within the world that I'm working in. And then the second layer of that, like, is the being present in your writing journey where I'm like, yeah, I've been writing for years. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not published, but I need to be grateful for that because I'm not, I don't have any other deadlines. I don't have somebody else calling me and saying, is this done? I don't have all these external pressures and that's kind of what I think of when I'm like okay being present in my writing journey yeah that's kind of exactly where I went with this too like I've been working on the same book for four years and 
I have not had a draft of it that I'm totally happy with and like worth critiquing, I feel like, because the story has changed a lot. Um, and there's like a lot of anxiety and shame around that that I kind of deal with. And I just try to like, I don't know, it's interesting talking about this along with celebration because at some point, like you feel like there's a lot of pressure on you just to like have something to show for the time that you've been spending with this. So like the things that I'm celebrating are not like a publication or like a beta critique or something like that. They are things like finishing a crappy draft and realizing this is not the story I want to tell. I'm going to tear it down to the, the base and start over or um, just getting through an outline that I'm really excited about and kind of like starting again. I was thinking about that this week because um, there's like a, a popular Instagrammer. I'm sure you both follow like Inspired to Write, like Amy McNee. But she was talking about celebration this week and how hard it is for people to celebrate some of those milestones, like especially if you are unpublished or you feel like there are these pressures um, on what you're producing and like what you have to show for your writing. And she just like made a comment that gave me like some pause and like made me feel a little bit better, which was that there's no big successes without like tons of little successes along the way. And those are often not things that like people see. They're just kind of like ways that you have to like measure uh, your progress in your writing and a lot of those happen like anonymously like when you're working on this kind of stuff like for yourself behind the scenes so it's just like yeah. it's something that I want to think about because there are really good things about like being in a position where no one's like waiting on my story or no one is like when's the next book coming out or like I don't have publishing deadlines like I, I don't have those pressures yeah. so it really is a good point to just a find the good about where I am and like decide what kinds of things are worth celebrating for me because sometimes they are like the small things. Yeah. I think that that's why I wanted these things to be together is because I think celebrating where you're at and celebrating the little things are what help me stay present. Yeah. I have a really difficult time with like what Jamie was talking about, the compartmentalizing because I do need to do that in order to write as well. But I'm, I really struggle with it and then I get anxious and same thing. Like I, I have not shared very much work with other people. And so then you get into that whole shame thing as a writer, I should be doing all of this and I should be sharing my work more. And yes, obviously we should be trying to share our work because that's how we get better. But it's all in different timing and different paces based on what we're working on. And it doesn't have to be in a specific timeline. And, it, and our timelines aren't going to match other writers that we know. And we start that comparison game and it it's not a good thing. Right. But taking the time to celebrate the little things that you do, you know, I'm rereading one of my own pieces and I started getting really overwhelmed and I'm trying to remind myself that just I get to read something that I wrote. Yeah. And just taking those little moments and just trying to focus on the enjoyment of that in the moment and knowing that I, I, I do get to do this. I do get to write. Absolutely. We've all been writing for so long, years and years at this point, that after a while it becomes so much part of what we do that the shine of it kind of wears off. But if you think about like – people or maybe family members or people who don't write the idea to to most people that you like oh yeah well I have this 90k manuscript that I wrote is amazing that's incredible it's easy for us to forget how incredible what every writer does is. yes yeah like, and just the, the pure volume and world building and even if your story's not already polished like you're already doing something that's pretty amazing yeah yeah totally and like especially with speculative fiction like you said when you're creating the entire world the rules of the world things like that um I mean even if you are a writer or like have writer friends that like know you have this manuscript that you're sitting on or whatever mm -hmm. like the longer you work on it, the more boring it becomes to you because you know it. And I think like that's where our writer friends like come in handy. Like at some yeah. point it is time to like hand it off Let and it tell, go. have someone else tell you like that it is actually like, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard to remember. Yeah. And it's daunting to think about, but it's important. And that, and exactly, this is why we have people who do this alongside us and the encouragement and all of that. And as far as like the celebrating, because I, I know I didn't comment too much on that, but um, I agree with Greta, like you have to choose 
all these small accomplishments lead to this bigger accomplishment. Yeah. And that's why I think so often I use my bullet journal to like make boxes that I can check off those boxes. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it seems like such a small thing. But being able to visually see your progression and your accomplishments means so much to me because it's so many tiny daunting tasks. Yeah, it's like consistency. Like you get to see it. Exactly. So that's what I tend to do. We've talked about this before, but like just like getting like doing something to reward yourself Mm -hmm. at the end of an accomplishment, like uh, just even if it's like a pat on the back, just telling yourself, hey, you did it. Yeah, it can make a big difference in the I'm going to keep doing this feeling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's interesting that you mentioned that because I tried a reward system for myself with this draft that I'm working on and you probably can't see it behind me, but there's like a bulletin board back there where I have like each chapter of my draft like written out and behind it is either just like a little motivational message or like a reward for myself that I can like take the chapters off like as I draft them. And I've actually found that like it's not great motivation for me to know that like, I don't know, I can get like a cookie or something like when I (laughs) finish this chapter, like just talking about writing in anonymity, like what I've found to be more helpful during this draft is to just uh, like take that structure away, actually, and let myself write without rules. And that has like been more motivating for me because it's like the pressure of that structure is gone. Like I have 22 chapters up on my board, but if I'm just allowed to like write this story however I want and however it comes out, like I've actually found that more motivating. So like, yeah, I've just been experimenting with different ways to like uh, motivate myself or like celebrate those little accomplishments along the way and like figuring out what works and what doesn't has been really interesting and weird. I I like that you said that too because I agree because like uh, having like an object or a thing doesn't super motivate me either like you kind of got to find something that's gonna be like give you that dopamine yeah <laughs> and sometimes you know what it does for me you get to not write today yeah you get to take the day off because you already worked yesterday and you worked so much that you checked off whatever many boxes and now you get to do nothing, which is pretty much my favorite thing in the world to do. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, or like getting to read or, you know, you let yourself have that downtime. And um, and I, I think that that kind of goes hand in hand with our society kind of projects this ideal of being busy and always working and hustling and while admirable and important in order to achieve things you have to actually put the work in we forget that it's just as good for us and our brains to have the downtime to relax to rest it's just as important speaking of downtime rest and all that look at look at carly setting us up with the magical segue queen i i relinquish my crown Creative seasons come in cycles. Yeah. You're not going to be on fire creatively writing all the time. So there's going to be times where you just need to like take a break, regroup. There are different like stages of writing. You know, there's development, there's outlining, there's world building, character building, blah, 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 blah. Then there's drafting and then there's editing and all of these processes feel very different and so that's what I think of when I think of like my creative seasons and writing cycles really will depend on what part of the process I'm working on and some of them are very very not fun (laughs) or fulfilling (laughs) until you get to the other side of it yeah yeah it's like the way out is through yeah it doesn't feel like it's worth it when you're in it but when you're on the other side of it you're like oh that's a lot cleaner than it was before okay I feel dead and inside, but it's done. It's like uh, you feel dead inside, but when it's more polished and you're rereading it, somebody's trying to give you CPR. <laughs> I'm just going to lean into that analogy. What about for you, Greta, with creative seasons? I, I feel like you've been talking about this on your Instagram a, a bit. I'm interested to hear more of your thoughts. I kind of took this in two ways um, because for me, at least, um, because in my writing journey, early on, especially like I was doing a lot of my drafting during NaNoWriMo and it's like a whole different conversation, but I kind of figured out that like the fast drafting thing doesn't necessarily work the best for me. 
but the way that the first couple years of working on this novel looked was I would spend like the fall like really intensely drafting like maybe finish that draft up during the winter and then kind of step away from it for a while and take the spring to either work on a different project or to kind of do more like brainstorming like kind of dreaming like thinking about the project and like what would need to change about it and then as I'm moving through summer being more intentional and kind of like reshaping like replotting like preparing for a new draft and then drafting all over again in the fall so that's kind of the pattern that I've followed for the last few years during the pandemic things changed a little bit and I was uh, just trying to be more consistent and intentional with my time and like giving myself the time that it takes to write a draft instead of trying to cram it into a month or two so I just set like a couple of hours in the evening where I try to write but when I was thinking about creative seasons too, like I was just thinking that like different seasons of life are different too. And there's going to be different constraints and like uh, different amounts of energy that you can bring to your work and just like, yeah, different things that either allow you more space to work on your writing, which I feel like I had a little bit in the past year. And sometimes like I know some people didn't experience it that way. Like there's just a lot of stressors and, and things where it might be better to step back and take a rest. So I was, I was just kind of thinking about seasons in that way too, that it's not really fair to expect yourself to just be productive and just be putting things out like all the time. Like Jamie was saying, either like in an eight hour day or even in an entire season. And sometimes those seasons go on longer than you would like, but that's just kind of how it is. And like trying to get better at like uh, setting like a gentle boundary between like pushing myself to get a little bit of work done and knowing when it's better to like step back and take a rest. I really enjoyed your TED talk. I needed that. Yeah, I was like, I didn't know Greta was going to come and like awaken my soul. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> man, Greta, you just really had to say all those things. Now I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's um, <laughs> not even just from like the writing side that I had brought up, but from the life side. Sometimes yeah. we just have more going on. I had that this year. I felt like I was just like looking at everything stacked on this tray that I had to hold. And this is like all of my responsibilities in my life. And I'm like, something has to be taken off of this or I'm going to drop the whole thing. Yeah. And sometimes that was writing. Because I'm not published and because I don't have other deadlines this is the thing that I can subtract from so I don't get crushed. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's fine. Number one priority all the time is your mental health because you got to take care of yourself. And especially during the last two years, you got to keep it together. And if you need to take a break from creative things, it's good to take a break. Yeah. I. Yeah. I so empathize with that because like we're humans, we have a lot going on that's not writing and it can be so hard to like look at all of those competing priorities and say, this thing is not important to me or it's like not important to me right now or it's less important and like we always want to do everything and we want to do it well and it can be so hard to just like face the reality that like sometimes priorities need to shift. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um. Nora Roberts has this really great metaphor um, about juggling responsibilities. And she talks about um, having these balls that you're juggling. And it's not three. It like life and writing and, or, you know, and whatever. Like there's like 50. Because each little thing is a ball. And she said the trick is to know which ones are plastic and which ones are glass. Mm. And... The ones that are plastic are the ones that will bounce. They will be okay. If you drop them, you can get them back in the rotation again when it's time. But the glass ones, you drop those, they shatter. And so, you know, when it comes down to it, at some point or another, you're going to drop some balls. And you just, the only trick is just knowing which ones to drop. Yeah, and I know you both talk about a, lo a lot about workflow and goals and things like that. And I just think it's really important to take like a, a beat to check in every once in a while. And that's where you can kind of see what things need to be a priority right now. If yeah. writing is my priority, what do I need to do to like make sure that those things get done? Yeah. And is that, does that make sense for this season? Yeah, the big thing we always end up coming back to having conversations about writing goals is setting realistic goals for your life situation. I literally did this this week, wrote down all of my writing things that need to happen during my writing career. And I'm like, yeah, there's only four months left in the year. 
I'm probably not going to edit three books and draft another book and a novella. Like, that's probably unrealistic. Maybe I should spread some stuff out. So setting like a realistic goal for one, what you know your work capacity is, and two, your other life factors is like, it takes time to figure that out. It's not always going to work out perfectly, but you can at least try and be aware of those things. Yeah, definitely. As you, as you move forward. And yeah. my challenge, especially lately, has been um, with the creative seasons and the setting realistic expectations. I'll set expectations for myself in a season where I have more creative freedom because yes. of the way that my life is going. But then I will forget that that shifts. And then I will get really frustrated because it's not working anymore instead of giving myself the space to take a step back and look at it and go, ooh, something has shifted. Something is different. What is that thing and where do I need to reevaluate? It usually takes um, lots of conversations with um, my husband and Jamie to remind me like, hey, think about where your life is at right now. Something has shifted. You need to cut yourself a little bit of slack and reevaluate your goals. Um, yeah. And it's tough for me to to have that realization myself. I spend a lot of time just beating myself up. And I think the if if you're like that, having people around you that will help you with that is really nice. And I, and I think that's where people like you start to lose the joy of writing. Uh, yeah. Yes, like, because you're beating yourself up. Yes, because things are not how you envisioned them you lose that like I'm doing this because I like to do it yeah right? exactly and you burn yourself out and then you're like why am I even doing this and you're like this is something I get to do and if I'm feeling like I uh, like it's an obligation or like this something is off and it needs to just be checked for a minute it's leads us into like the pressure of writing the pressure we put on ourselves from writing the pressure that maybe we perceive from other people because <laughs> sometimes there's pressure from the outside that's not real pressure we just think it's pressure yeah because yeah. that's what we've been told to think yeah so you know that's a whole thing we can't unpack but um just the the self-expectation can be uh really crushing or disappointing because you're like I told myself that I was going to edit this in two months and it's been four months and what's wrong with me? Mm. Yeah. Well, it was, it was, you underestimated. It happens. Yeah. But we don't tend to think that way right off the bat. Yeah. And I think that's like one of the, it, it's not like always the first thing that comes to mind because I do put a lot of pressure on myself for those kinds of goals too. But that's also one of kind of the benefits of not being published or like not having a publishing deal mm -hmm. or expectations mm -hmm. or whatever um, that you can do, like whatever you want. Like you can write whatever genre you want. You can write uh, at your own pace. Um, I remember going to Neil Gaiman came to the university here where I live um, at one point and I got to go listen to him talk. And someone was talking about the fact that he's just like published in all these different genres, like that he is this multifaceted author that can basically like write whatever he wants and it sells. Um, and he was talking about his early career and how he started out as a journalist and stuff like that. And he was like, well, at one point, like even I wasn't Neil Gaiman, like I had to write like based on these expectations <laughs> yeah. and stuff too. And he just really encouraged like beginning authors to take advantage of that time where people don't have an expectation for genre or for yeah. pace or for anything like that. And that's always just kind of resonated with me. I love that. I think it's a perfect example of perceived pressure because the we think it's an external pressure to be like Neil Gaiman or insert your favorite author here. Yeah. But that is we're comparing ourselves to somebody's later career. Oh, yeah. Rather than where they started. And we, yeah. we get this weird – and so – we think it's an external pressure to be a certain way, to write a certain way, to do a certain thing, but it's really, that's internal. That's something that we made up. Yeah. Yeah. Because if I try and flip it where it's like, uh, I know a lot of authors and some that like I know that have been recently published and I don't 
expect anything from them. If I read the back of their book, like maybe from that book, I expect certain things that they tells me on the back of that book. But from that writer themselves, I don't feel like I'm putting any pressure towards them. But I know that that perceived pressure from the outside, you feel like is coming back. And this, this comes into a thing that I've told, I tell my, uh, my young relatives, nobody's thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you think that people are talking about you or you think that they're not. They're, everybody's just worried about themselves. Yeah. My husband told me that at one point when I was worried about some stuff that I was working on at my day job. And that has like stuck with me ever since. I'm just like, okay, yeah, just, just remember that. Take a little pressure off. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So worry about your own stuff and like let go some of that pressure. I mean, and maybe this is too simplistic, but I feel like we think that there's a lot of external pressure to be a certain way as a writer, but really that's an internal pressure and it's our responsibility to set boundaries with ourselves in what we are going to allow to control our thoughts about that thing. But the external yeah. pressures are really just when it comes down to when you actually have deadlines and things like that. That I mean, I mean and, and like I said, that might be too simplistic and I'm just not thinking of something. I, I agree with you, um, but I will say that we're, like, we're very specifically talking about as a writer, writing for enjoyment and all that, because there is very real pressure if you want to be a traditionally published author, and I'm going to do my best to like really say this succinct and then move on, is um, because like the way publishing works now, and you are expected to have a platform, you are expected to put out content. There are those expectations. Most of that is not based on your writing. It's an excellent I point. I will say, I'm just going to put that right there. And just walk slowly back away. <laughs> but we're talking about writers. Right. And the actual act of writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I understand if people are like, well, I do feel pressure because like when I go to query or I go to do this, I'm expected to have all these things. That is real. I get it. Definitely. Yeah. But that's a whole different thing. <laughs> right. Absolutely. How do we combat that pressure though like what what are some some things that y'all do that help you take a step back from that pressure whether real or imagined and help yourself just settle into what you're doing something that I've been thinking about lately and this has come up like from a number of different writers and artists have discussed this but like thinking about your own definition for success and what that looks like can be part of that like, what am I aiming for? Because I feel like a lot of the pressure that I put on myself comes from trying to aim for, like, the traditional writer career where you're putting out, like, multiple books and you have a platform and that's just kind of, like, all the all the pressures that go with that. But I think, um, like, looking at artists like Austin Kleon, like, he talks about his idea of success a lot and his definition is just liking his day-to-day. -day. Like, do I get to do what I want to do with my days. Like, do I like how I spend my time? And I resonate a lot more with that kind of level of defining success rather than I want X publications by the time I'm this many years old or like just kind of setting those externally defined uh, parameters for success. And I think like writing for yourself and like writing things that you enjoy, like contribute to that idea of just liking how you spend your time. That is part of the reason that I know whether or not I eventually do go on to like have writing as a career, like where I'm making money and where I do have that external pressure. I like writing stories and I like getting those two hours in the evening to work on stuff that I care about. So that's like successful for me right now. That's what success looks like. So if I can just like just chill and like try to remember that I get to do this. I mean, it's easier to say that than to actually do it. Right. But, but having that awareness is so awesome. I agree with you that too often people don't like evaluate their own version of success. Sometimes like I have to just set like a day where I'm like, if I just do this one thing, I've succeeded. Even in editing, if I edit this whole thing and only this one character starts to shine, I've still succeeded because now that character shines. There's so many different forms of success there's like the stock standard one that you see like you said 
get published, you know, have have this crazy deal with Tor or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say no. <laughs> there's just there's way more forms of success than we are told about up front. Yeah. 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 And the engaging with the idea of how you spend your day, that just hit me in a big way. I love that. I tend to look at the big, the whole thing, and I get so overwhelmed. But yeah, like looking at my day and going in in an ideal environment, like how do I want to spend my day? Like how, what what would satisfy me today? And knowing that obviously responsibilities and all of these things, and, and you're never going to get to all of the things. Right. But just how, looking back on your day and going, that was a good day. Yeah. And there's like absolutely nothing wrong with like wanting to make money with your writing or like wanting to be a traditionally successful writer. But I like the idea that I can have a good day now. And yeah, that's like yeah. my definition of success, even if it's going to take me like four more years to write this book. Right. Well, <laughs> but, because if you're always looking yeah. ahead, I'll be happy when yeah, you're never yeah. going to be happy because once you get to that milestone, then there's another one. Yeah. And I think that there's something to be said for having passion and drive and wanting those things and striving for them and pushing yourself to get there. Right. But if you're not happy in the process of it, you are not going to be happy. There is no achievement that you are going to reach that is going to suddenly make you feel accomplished enough. Absolutely. Man. Deep. So God, deep. We are so good. <laughs> We've got it all figured out now. Just pat yep. ourselves on the back and move You're right You're welcome, along. everybody. <laughs> oh, man. Check back with me in like a month when I'm sitting in the middle of drafting and see if I still feel this way. No kidding. No kidding. You just come back and listen to this episode again. Right. Yeah. Right. Inspire yourself all over again. <laughs> I mean, when you are a writer, it becomes, you know, a slog sometimes. But if you can find little things to to keep the joy and the spark alive, um, remember to do those things. Absolutely. Um, it's not always fun, but if you're really dedicated to it, those those seasons of creativity and seasons of joy will come back around and I hope that you're finding one now as people will be in the midst of nano and hopefully you're having just like a super fun creative nano or if you're not doing nano let's call it a Thursday (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much for joining us Greta yeah thanks for having me thank you Greta it was so nice to have you you can find Greta on Instagram. Um, yeah, my Instagram is greta.valentine.writes. Awesome. And you can find your recently published short story at five on the fifth. And there's a link in my bio on Instagram as that. well. Fantastic. Everybody should read that. So good. This has been the Act Break Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at the Act Break underscore podcast. Thanks, internet friends. Bye. Whatever. Bye. Uh. <laughs> If you enjoyed our podcast today, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It really helps us out and makes us feel like we're not just screaming into the void. You can also follow or subscribe, tell a friend, share us on Instagram, you know, all those markety type things. But most of all, come back next week. We'll be here, internet friends.